1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Our first uh, pure football episode in a while, we're going to preview the spring game. This won't be super long. We, I, I'd prefer this. Maybe this is something that you listen to while you're driving into the game or while you're running some errands on, on a Saturday morning. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of off-season time to unpack all the like big you know, assessment of each position group or, or the big takeaways from the game. Uh, but, but offering, I mean, this, this episode, I think we'll, we'll each break down a key uh, storyline that we're keeping an eye on on offense, we'll, one on defense, and then a freshman and a non-freshman that we're watching very closely uh, in, in the spring game. It'll be, if you want to attend, it's going to be around 11, 11.30s when uh, fans will start arriving. I think the scrimmage starts at noon I, I believe it's still free. Uh, I always remember growing up in Ann Arbor, a lot of my friends, you know, and that was like the big opportunity to take your kids because it didn't cost an arm and a leg to, to park and tailgate and, and get tickets to the game. But, uh, but it should be a fun event. And, it, and, you know, it's really only the second in-person spring game that they've done since 2017. It, you know, in terms of like being actually open to the public. So um, I'm looking forward to it. We don't really get to see, them in a practice setting very often uh, especially well really Michigan has never really had open practices in the last decade or so but but particularly with the with the pandemic it's it's going to be an opportunity to see some guys and some some things that we we don't nec- we didn't necessarily get to see in games last fall tons of preview content over at the michigan insider.com 247 sportscom both some free stuff like I I did some big breakdowns looking at uh, the storylines for each position group in the game. And, and then there's some VIP stuff, some intel on, on you know, who we expect to stand out and things like that as well. So be sure to check that out. But, Steve, let's start with the offense. Going to be kind of – I mean, I think the big storyline got taken away with J.J. McCarthy's injury. Uh, you know, I, think, I think two months ago I think we both would have said, yeah, Cade versus J.J. would have been big storyline – It'll just be Cade. And obviously there's there's you know, four other quarterbacks who who I think will will have opportunity to show what they can do as they battle for that number three spot. But your biggest offensive storyline to watch on Saturday, something that you're you've kind of already got your your story half written, kind of thinking about uh, what you expect to see.
0: I mean, I have two, but I'm just – I'll go with the one, and then if you don't have the the other one that I had, I might mention that briefly also. Uh, for me, it's depth at running back. Obviously, the one-two combo, Edwards, Corum, among the best in the country. I don't like to say one unit for anybody is the best, but it is in the conversation for being the best one-two combo in the country this year. I feel like especially we think Edwards is going to – really kind of build off of the end of last year and, and kind of ascend into a potentially elite guy. <clears throat> but a lot of the value that Michigan's losing in Hassan, you know, Hassan Haskins had a great year last year, short yardage or not short yardage, but there was a ton of value that he added in those situations. Uh, we've regurgitated the the short yardage stats, the, the um, you know, never tackled for a loss stats.
1: Yep. All the first downs. Yep. Right.
0: I mean, they're they're not, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that, but who kind of steps in as that short yardage guy? Um, you know, I guess there was talk that Kalel Mullings may have moved over to running back. I, w- I don't know if that was mentioned in the presser or not, um, but then Tavier Dunlap also, you know, is a guy that that got the red shirt last year was a four-star running back staff really, really liked him. I mean, he's two twenty two. Mullings. Last year was listed at 236. You know, I don't know if he's shed a few of that or whatever, but let's just say it's those two guys, you know, got to think one of those two guys would kind of become the, the hopeful guy in those situations for Michigan. Cause again, yeah, one, two, but I don't think you want to relegate, you're not going to relegate either of the other two guys to like a third down status necessarily, especially with what Edwards can do in the receiving game. So kind of finding a little bit, because really, you know, C.J. Stokes doesn't enroll until the summer. Uh, Michigan technically has only three scholarship running backs that they recruited at running back on the roster until Stokes get there. gets there, and Stokes is not necessarily a guy we see as a first-year impact player. So, you know, again, not like a cause for concern or a ringing alarm, because Michigan's going to be really, really good at the top, but you know, you also injury factors, stuff like that. Uh, you, you know, you want to make sure you at least have some kind of third guy that looks like they can be dependable.
1: Well, yeah. And the fact is Hassan Haskins finished six in the country last season. He had 270 carries. I mean, I always kind of, kind of chuckle when people say, Oh, and he wasn't even the full-time starter, which I guess technically was true because Blake Corum and, and eventually Donovan Edwards had a lot of touches too, but like, that's a lot of carries 270 carries uh, you know, over 1200 yards. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's almost funny how Blake Corum, down Edwards are. It, it, it's not seen as like a position where there's like a lot to replace or big shoes to fill, but technically speaking, there's a lot of carries, uh, to, to go around. And, you know, I don't expect Corum or Edwards to necessarily want more than 250 carries a piece. And so, yeah, there's definitely some room for a number three running back and, and, um, yeah, that's where I'm like, I'm really fascinated about, about the Kaleb Mullings rumors. I don't think it did get mentioned in press conferences. So I guess that's something that we'll, will be able to confirm kind of early. Um, but then I also think about like an AJ Henning with the, the Debo Samuel slot back kind of position. I mean, he ended up with more rushing yards than receiving yards last season. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll, be interested to see kind of how they piece it together on the complete other end of the spectrum. I'm very curious to see how Michigan it, it won't be too much of an issue tomorrow because they'll be scrimmaging each other, but they've got eleven scholarship receivers if you count Mike Samer still. And, and 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 that's counting Amon Dennis Dennis as well. That's a lot. I mean, even if you play three receivers at a time, that means two guys are going to be fourth string, two scholarship guys are going to be fourth string receivers. And and I always just find it funny, like looking through <clears throat> I mean, if you asked 100 different Michigan fans who they think the best receiver is going to be this season, I genuinely think there'd be six different answers. And so that's a lot of depth, you know, a lot of returning guys. And that's, you know, Ronnie Bell probably isn't, I don't believe he's full go, but, you know, he'll eventually be reinserted as well. Um, And then you've got Jim Harbaugh kind of stepping out of maybe his typical press conference tenor and calling the freshmen freak shows. You know he, that that that's what he used, and you could just tell the the enthusiasm he had talking about uh, Darius Clemens, Marian Walker, and uh, Tyler Morris. And and you you look at some of their track stats. You know, Tyler Morris, his high jump level in as a sophomore in high school would have gotten eleventh at the Big Ten Indoor Championships. And and I would argue he's like the least "quote unquote" freak athlete of the three. You know, with uh, Marian Walker sounds like. Jim Harbaugh said he had a 6.25 three cone drill. I mean, go look at, you know, everyone who did performed at the combine this year, that's elite. And then Clemens, I would argue is the, the most freaky in terms of his 4.37 laser time, 40, his size, uh, the way he can move and the way he can jump. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how, how they all fit in and who, who ends up being the best receiver. I, I, I think you and I are kind of on the same boat where, um, just kind of get that sense that Andrell Anthony is that quote, that guy. But, you know, on a different day, suddenly Roman Wilson, you know, lines up as someone who could be that guy. And, and you know, Ronnie Bell led, the, led Michigan in receiving in uh, 2019 and 2020. And Cornelius Johnson led them in 2021. I mean, it's just crazy how, how, uh, how many different guys could end up being, you know, quote unquote, the, the, the number one guy. So I'm really curious to see how the depth shakes out and that's not even mentioning, I believe there's six, seven scholarship tight ends. I guess it depends on how you count Carter Selzer, but there's a lot of tight ends too. So, you know, it's going to be, it's for the fans, it's kind of a bummer that J.J. McCarthy's not there because I think that that would be the, the story of the game is they just sling it around to everybody. But it's going to be really interesting. Um, Saturday, I think it'll just be fun because I think both teams will be able to run really deep with their with their pass catchers uh, but there's there's constant battles I mean it's crazy to think you know some of the players that, that could end up being third string you know and not not because they're bad but just because there's that many really good players and, and everyone Michigan does a nice job of spreading the ball around you know last year I think they had eight different players uh, lead have a hundred yard receiving games and they had I think nine different players lead the team in receiving yards once so it's so I don't think it's going to be like a a problem but I think Matt Weiss said it best you know it's it's rich people problems right now with with how how many skill players they have equipped to be kind of takeover caliber players Uh, did I miss your other storyline or or is that the one you were looking at
0: it wasn't the other I'm interested to see how Jones looks at right tackle also
1: because a lot of hype for him
0: yeah right and I think he kind of started to ascend a little bit last year uh and as a guy I think got off to a little bit of a slow start in his career but came on like I said really strong as last year progressed and really Michigan's offensive line should be really 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 good again this year he's just because I like Olu uh, Olu Atimi's a guy I think we can can really kind of bank on I think they'll get as good a production as they did from Vistardis, if not better, honestly. You know, that right tackle spot's really that one question. It seems like he's in a good spot to take that. So for him in his first sort of like feature role tomorrow, I think will be another thing. I think naturally I think people will want to keep an eye on because the rest of the guys of that unit, I know they'll be split, but um relative known commodities at this point that's a good thing for Michigan but but you know we're pretty familiar with you know what Hayes and Keegan and Zinter are going to bring to the table and like I said Olu's a guy who should walk in and be a major contributor uh how does Jones look you know in his first real showcase as as the guy at right tackle
1: yeah yeah and I I think him and and Olu are the two well, and I mentioned Greg Crippen as well, just because he's getting he's getting some decent spring buzz. And this is someone that, that I know you and I have talked about on this podcast for a long time. But you know, this is our first chance to really see them snap to snap to snap. And I know you know the, the contact level in spring games are just are not quite high enough that I don't think you can like you know bang the gavel and declare someone good or not good. It's just it's it's not quite that intense of a of an atmosphere. But at the same time. You know, Trent a. Jones, he was someone who, Andrew Stuber, I think I asked him about Jones back in 20, it might have even been 2020. You know, what does he look like? What is his, his future? And, and he said straight up, and, and Stuber's always been pretty honest. He's not a hyperbolic guy in, in press conferences, but he also does give an answer. And he said Jones was the most athletic offensive tackle he's ever seen. And this is when, this is long before he was being considered for a starting job. So, so yeah, I think, uh, I think the ceiling's really high. And I think based on press conference quotes, uh, you know, kind of hearing things here and there over the course of the last month, it sounds like he's getting to that level. And, and I, you know, what does that mean for the other offensive tackles who want to play and want to start? Uh, what is that? You know, I almost, wonder is 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 does jones pass you know ryan hayes in terms of the untouchable you know or or you're not taking his starting job you know does he really cement himself as a starter because that would be something i mean that would really help michigan if they if they have a pretty solid starting five they feel good about You you can start to build that chemistry in fall camp and things so yeah i like that one as well um switching to the defense what's What's a story, I mean, there's, there's a lot more, I'd argue there's a lot more to learn about the defense on in the spring game than on the offense, but just because of how many new starters they have, what storyline stands out to you the most?
0: Defensively, I mean, I try to hone in on players. Uh, you know, especially, let's say the Mullings to running back stuff is legitimate. You know, linebacker, is going to be fascinating because, you know, I really, it really feels like they're going to need one of Jaden hood and Tyler McLaurin to kind of really step up, not to be maybe a starter, you know, you have Barrett Hillgreen, and Colson, obviously, but again, I think this is kind of the conversation we had last year about linebacker where felt okay at the top, but, you know, talk about being one injury away from potential disaster or, or you're playing guys that aren't ready. You know, I think linebackers really sort of in the same position. So, you know, Jaden Hood is a guy. I think there's been some good things talked about for him this spring. So he's a guy I'm really going to be be keeping a close eye on. Um, you know, again, Jimmy Rolder, the four-star they recruited at linebacker, isn't enrolling until the summer. So, you know, there's no backer that they're bringing in early. Uh, and I want to say Deuce Spurlock isn't enrolling early either. So there's no linebacker coming in or that's been in. As yeah, they freshmen. have they have
1: eight scholarship linebackers listed on their roster right now, and Mullings is one of them, and then yep. Joey Velazquez, I don't I don't think he's playing in the spring game. I guess that's a thing to find out. But sure, you know, suddenly yeah. suddenly in terms of the scrimmage, I mean, you're going to be rotating in walk-ons. That's how yep. thin it is, and not nothing against the walk-ons. It's just like when no, you do you you, split you know, the team in half. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. So, so a guy like Hood. A guy like McLaurin, uh, it'll be really, you know, those are guys I'll be keeping a closer eye on, just to see how they look. And they're again, you know, year two, four-star guys. You know, you probably you want to see some progress for sure, because yeah, in in their situation, they could be a a play away from, you know, having to to come in and 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 play in a real game scenario. So,
1: yeah, I like that one. That was, and and don't forget, I mean, it's not like. Junior Colson and Nakai Hill Green are like these seasoned veterans. I mean, they're still, they're still trying to grow their games as well. I mean, tech, technically I think of those eight scholarship linebackers, I think six of them have sophomore eligibility, um, you know, and so, so the future, future might look really bright, but obviously there's, there's a lot to build on right now. You know, Michael Barrett's really the only one who played before last season. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of an interesting group. I, uh, you know, I, I think the ceiling's really high, but I, I do think someone like hood who I, I really liked his high school tape. I, I don't, I'm not, I don't claim to be like a, a scout or, or, you know, a high school tape, high school football guru or anything, but you know, I watch everyone's tape before they arrive to campus. And, and he was one that I kind of circled him and Jaden McBurrows were two that I was like, you know what? I think there's, there's a, there's a little extra oomph there. Um, if they, if they find that ceiling or find that potential, I think the big storyline to me, uh, you know, there's, there's really two ways you can go to the defensive backs or the defensive lines, but <clears throat> going to be replacing a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll do the secondary and, and, and we can both talk about the defensive line, but you know, losing Daxton Hill, losing Brad Hawkins, uh, losing Vincent gray. Uh, it sounds like Rod Moore will be out for this game. And it just sounds like Jaden McBurrows who, could be a starter, uh, might also be out for this game. And so that's, that's going to leave the opportunity for, for both the upperclassmen, you know, guys like maybe a Jordan Morant or Makari Page, uh, but also some newcomers thinking about, you know, Keon Saab and, and Will John. Yeah, I'm looking at – that I'll be looking at and thinking, okay, are these players who – are going to have to work their way into the two deep or are these players who might be gunning for a starting job come August or September, because I, I, I do think the potential's there, you know, saying I, I usually these days after a few years covering Jim Harbaugh and these, these spring practices, I, I, I usually wait a second to cover a, a position change, you know, in terms of it being someone who could factor into the two deep. I don't think the same Ristill one is, is going to be nothing. I mean, I know he's still working at both. It'll be kind of interesting to see how he develops over the spring and summer. But for, for a guy who was a key contributor as a wide receiver for three seasons to switch over to defense, that one speaks to the, to the uh, depth that we talked about at wide receiver. But it, it also speaks to the fact that, like, hey, maybe they, w- they wouldn't move him there if it wasn't going to work out. They wouldn't waste his senior year on on a position change unless they felt like he could be a NFL draft caliber player. And he was a Virginia tech defensive back recruit. I think, uh, you know, our analysts always viewed him as a defensive player coming out of high school. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see him. And then obviously Will Johnson, Keon Saber, two, two freshmen, who I think in addition to the, to the receivers, I think are, are trending toward a two deep role. And so I'll be interested to see them. Steve, I, I know we were going to do one storyline each, but uh, your thoughts on the defensive line, maybe some of the, the edge position players, any, anyone, I know you, I know you focus on players, anyone you're kind of circling and saying like, I want to see, you know, kind of how he moves, how he interacts in a game setting, because obviously without Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo and, and Christopher Hinton, you know, there, there's going to be some, some pass rushing snaps. I, I feel pretty confident that they'll be all right against the run, you know, knowing what Chris Jenkins and Jalen Harrell and, and uh, Mike Morris did last season. But I, I do, someone's got to get some sacks. I mean, someone's got to get these, these quarterback pressures for Michigan's defense to be successful. Some, what are your thoughts on that defensive front?
0: Uh, Brayden McGregor, a guy to watch, obviously. Um, I think TJ Guy, another one on the edge, potentially Uh, on the interior, this one, I'm kind of testing the, uh, I I don't know if I ever really talked about this, but I've always kind of sort of had this semi kid who was quiet during his recruitment theory. Um, So like George Rooks was a four-star prospect out of high school who like really never, hardly ever did any interviews, didn't really talk much. And like, you know, Michigan just kind of got him and it was a good win i think penn state there were some other schools that were were recruiting him as well you know michigan just kind of won that recruiting battle and then it just kind of got thrown in he just kind of got thrown into the mix um actually mike morris is a great comparison there was a very similar thing where almost an enigmatic you know recruit you had the film but you didn't really have much else to go off of because it just kind of got shuffled in um and, and a guy that didn't really get talked a lot about so uh, Rooks is a guy that I'm going to be watching in the interior, uh, but guy in McGregor on the edge, uh, maybe, and I'm trying to think that I feel like I'm missing somebody else. I do. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Mason Graham looks like too, even as a year one guy, don't know if he's a year, if he's a year one impact player, but I, I wouldn't, you know, his it could be a test to see how deep Michigan wants to rotate this year, because I know they believe he had the potential when he was being recruited.
1: But talking about him, like he is kind of like a right like, too deep guy.
0: Yeah. So, you know, be very interested to see how he looks. He's sort of in testing the late riser theory as a guy who ended the cycle ranked pretty high, but I actually thought should have been ranked even higher than he ended. You know, that's sort of how Hutchinson kind of ended his high school career. Uh, But I don't remember if Graham played in the, one of the all-star games or not, but, Either way, those are just a few names, you know. Defensive line, just because there are so many names, obviously that's one where I think I think most of us are going to be watching that unit really closely because there are there's a lot of feels like there are a lot of possibilities for who could emerge, you know, out of that mix. Which if you're Michigan, not the worst thing um, when you're coming out, you're losing two elite players like you are, and then kind of combine that with Mozzie Smith looking like. You know, it feels like the staff thinks he's going to be one of the best players on the team, regardless of position that like I mentioned before. It's almost the opposite of last season is when maybe maybe a better interior will open things up for these edge guys who might not quite be as refined and as skilled as, as Hutchinson and Onjava were last year.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and McGregor, I think, is is maybe the most fascinating one because he's he's probably got the highest 2022 ceiling of anybody in terms of like, if everything goes well and the light you know, light switch turns on or, or things start to click for him, you know, in terms of like, people are always wondering like, who's the next to Jabo, it might not be McGregor. I think McGregor was a little bit more polished coming out of high school, but, but in terms of who could all of a sudden out of nowhere, be an NFL draft caliber player, I, I feel like it could be him, but, but we just, we don't get to see him. We he didn't play a ton last fall. I'm really keeping an eye on, the guys who played a lot last season, but are going to be asked to play bigger roles. You know, uh, 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 Jalen Harrell, he was kind of the the run snap guy when David Ajabo, because they didn't love how he defended against the run all the time. You know, he was kind of he was kind of the run defense guy. And then Mike Morris was kind of a, a his ability to play both, kind of like a Chris Wormley. But now it sounds like he's really making a push as 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 an edge defender like full time and and it's a p- pass rushing threat. And so obviously last season they just wanted to put him in wherever he could. But now there's there's room. There's snaps to be had at the edge position. So how does how does he handle that opportunity? Taylor Upshaw had some injuries it sounds like last season would not rule him out. I know people aren't are not over the moon about him but think about his brother who started as a walk on at Clemson and by the time he was a fourth year player he was a key cog in their machine. So, defensive tackle played more snaps than I expected him to. Uh, adding weight still kind of maybe the main issue. It sound he said he's at two seventy seven, which is which is light for a defensive tackle. But you know there was that video of him in high school, and I, I shared it on our message board when he was around two hundred and thirty pounds. He was repping three fifty on the bench press. So he's got some some great natural strength. He's got, you know, his dad and his uncle were star defensive tackles in the NFL. And so um and he played really well last season. He's he I I actually really liked how he played, but can that lower weight, can he overcome that and maybe even be almost like a an asset where he just moves a little quicker off the line than a lot of defensive tackles. So yeah really curious about that. We're gonna hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk, we'll each identify one player maybe we haven't mentioned or talked about a ton just yet uh both as a freshman and a non- freshman and uh and offer our final thoughts on the spring game you're listening to the wolverine 24 7 podcast
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds
1: All right. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. Steve, we've, we've already mentioned a bunch of players, but is there, is there anyone that hasn't been mentioned or discussed enough just yet that you're, you've, you kind of got circled already that you're keeping an eye on in this game?
0: I'm actually, there are more guys I'm looking forward to kind of seeing this year than normal. Um, One though, true freshman is Colston Loveland at tight end is one that, I mean since he was being orig- originally being recruited as a guy that Michigan has always felt like was under future star. I mean, I think they were excited about him at tight end as they were about any tight end they've recruited under Jim Harbaugh for sure. And it sounds like he's already been pretty impressive. So, you know, the one thing people got to remember, I mean, the spring game, we're, we're not going to get Answers or or maybe see everything we want to see from every guy that we talk about, but you know, it's obviously always a possibility. So Loveland and then Hansen at tight ends, another guy that I'm really kind of interested to see how he looks in year two. I mean, 6'6, 252, he's almost the same size as Honigford. Uh, you know, and, and was a guy that they liked athletically coming out of high school. So, you know, as a second-year guy, kind of interested to see where he's at. A couple other guys, just rattle off a few real quick. I'm, I'm interested, you know, how does Raheem Anderson look in year two? Uh, Jeff Percy, finally, probably a hundred percent healthy at tackle, you know, a guy we've never really gotten to talk about or really heard much about because he was injured. I think was really kind of trying to get back into college shape and college form. Uh, Awana, Ike Owana in the middle, six three three oh six. another guy, uh, you know, that, that I really kind of interested to see. And then uh, who's the other one? I had another guy. You know, there's that talk of the, some of these third year guys, you mentioned Morant earlier, um, you know, is was Quentin Johnson, a potential nickel type kid, you know, is re- really a guy that another one that had an injury coming into Michigan. And, and I think fought injuries his whole freshman year for sure. And then has just kind of been behind Daxton Hill. Is, is he a guy that can, make any kind of impact or or look like somebody that the staff can count on. So those are just a handful. I mean, there are, there are a lot, Julius Welshoff. we haven't talked about him either, you know, this is his last shot and he's shown flashes and has, has probably played almost as many snaps as anybody on this defense at this point, if you look at the roster. uh, So, uh, you know, he's another one, maybe, you know, maybe the light kind of comes on late for him. We know defensive line is sort of a spot where it does take guys a little bit. Normally, takes guys a little bit longer. You know, so uh, just a handful of names.
1: Yeah, and, well, Julius is like twenty-four already, <laughs> but but he was obviously coming in very raw, um, just being from Europe and and freak ath- athleticism. But I think a lot there was a long. He was he was some guys are seen as your. Year- year two year three guys I think he was honestly seen as like a year four guy you know by by the recruiting you know by the coaching staff at the time yeah some some freshmen that that maybe we haven't mentioned I I think we mentioned Clemens but I think he it sounds like he among all the the freshman receivers is kind of the guy that's that's ready to go you know he's already 205 he's 6'3 we talked about his speed I think I'll be interested to see what it looks like in person because I think, I think uh, he kind of strikes me as maybe, maybe he can have that Andrew Anthony role where a lot of receivers don't actually have big roles their freshman year, but some guys just are, arrive on campus ready to make plays. And so he's, he's someone I'm looking at. Uh, both quarterbacks will be interesting. You know, I, I think most of us are kind of penciling in Alan Bowman as the number three quarterback. But uh, you know, with Alex Orji and, and Jane Denegal and then and then Davis Warren. I don't know if you caught this, Steve, but but Matt Weiss kind of went went on to talk about Warren. Sounds like he didn't really get to play his junior or senior year. Um, he's a walk-on, so I don't I don't think he's contending for a starting job. But but you know, he is kind of that. He's a little bit of a wild card because I think I think Michigan seems to think that there's there's. He's he's more than just a typical walk on, and he can be actually someone that that figures. We scout offensive scout team player of the year. That usually is won actually by a scholarship player. I think Dylan McCaffrey won it a couple years ago. I think I think Joe Milton won it a couple years ago. And so uh, curious about curious about that. I mean, I you know the quarterback battles, kind of you know the third string quarterback battle is not something everyone's going to keep an eye on. But uh, but yeah, those those are. Those are some of the guys I'm looking at, and then, and then in terms of non-freshmen, I'm very fascinated by Michael Barrett, because I think he, he, he kind of got dealt a tough hand, because he was the viper of the future, and then, and then the viper was eliminated, and you saw he, he began to play a little bit more in the final month of last season, but he's, he's kind of the seasoned vet of this, of this linebacker room, really the only vet in, in terms of on-field playing experience, and so... You know, is he someone that that is ready to, to start and play, you know, 40 plus snaps a game? Or do they kind of go with the, you know, basically two linebackers and an and extra um, extra safety on the field or an extra edge defender? So I think I think in terms of players that we haven't already discussed, I think him and, and Jalen Harrell are two guys who I think I feel like one of them going to end up being even though they're not the same position. I think they can kind of dictate because Michigan, Michigan has some flexibility in terms of trying to play their best eleven on defense. And so is there? So is he someone that that finds a role here, or is it is it going to be a situation where he's just at the wrong school for his size and skill set since the viper position is gone? Anything we missed, Steve? Anything else you're you're keeping an eye on for tomorrow?
0: No, I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it.
1: Yeah. So. I felt like it was pretty thorough. Anyway, that's going to do yeah. it for us. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, twenty 247 Michigan sportscom We'll end up doing a, a recap podcast as well. Uh, and obviously, there'll be tons of takeaways and, and kind of emptying our notebook a little bit. But thought we'd give you guys a little bit of preview, a little bit of the, the things that we're keeping an eye on for Saturday. Hope you enjoy the game if you watch. And otherwise, uh, we will talk to you next time.